He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India at home. Lords goes wild. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the 81 All Out podcast or what we briefly, jokingly called the 36 All Out podcast earlier in the series. Of course, we retain the name. Joining us today to review day five of the Brisbane test at the Gabba or Gabba or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have the usual panel of uh, Ashoka, Mahesh and uh, Kartikeya. I'll link all their Twitter handles in there so you can follow them and they have been with us for the previous four tests. So this is about uh, six hours after India won the Brisbane test and uh, won the series to one. And uh, we're all uh, hoping to make some sense of it, though I can assure you that uh, we will mostly fa- fall flat on our heads and it'll end up being a episode of uh, large quantities of screaming and uh, disbelief. But to start off, uh, let me just say that we got together uh, for the first time in this series. I mean, of course, we did a preview, but uh, usually we do a preview and a review. And sometimes we have a podcast once in the middle of the series. But in this series, we have uh, been compelled almost to do a podcast at the end of every test, largely because the first test ended with the famous 36 all out. And so we did one. And then the next test just got... Uh, was the diametric opposite for India, where they won the uh, test in Melbourne. And then the next test got even more crazy with the draw in Sydney. And this, I I don't know if uh, anyone can even top this now, the way India have gone and won in Brisbane, uh, as everyone has said, for the first time since a team has won, a visiting team has won in uh, Brisbane since 1988. And, uh, you know, what has traditionally been Australia's fortress, the Gabatois, as it's called, has been breached Uh, if you want to use all those uh, (laughs) war-related analogies. But let me just start off by saying that, uh, you know, there's uh, the final day's play overall and the final session was so enthralling and gripping and at the same time so unreal that, uh, you know, it took, took one back to, you know, some very, very precious and rare moments. For me personally, at the end of the match, I thought I couldn't think of anything but the 2001 series when India won that uh, against Australia uh, after what Lakshman and Dravid did in Calcutta and then winning in Chennai uh, with Harbhajan getting those winning runs. I mean, I I was, uh, what, in college then and I did, would have never imagined a cricketing moment topping that. But, well, it's it's matched it for sure. And over time, it'll probably top it. I mean, of course, I can't be that same 18-year-old again or 19-year-old again or whatever I was. I can't, you know, obviously the feelings are so different then when you're young and far more idealistic. But just in terms of cricket and what we saw in this series and what India was when they went into this test and after that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to... Uh, rate if this is the best test or the best ever series or anything, but just the sheer fantastical nature of it was uh, something I will never forget. And it was, it's been like it's been six hours, as I said, six to seven hours, but it's still not sunk in and probably take a while to understand and realize and process everything. So, with that, uh, let me bring, bring in um, everyone here. So, uh, yeah, Ashoka, I mean, 
you've needed to uh, first okay. of all i'll first of all i'll say don't be a coward uh, accept that this is the greatest test series that you have seen okay don't say it match 2001 1985 and all that this is the greatest test series that you have seen because look at the context dude i mean we are battling with like uh, three people in the team they they actually you know the rest were all i mean how do you win a test series with you know when you see the team sheet and you see shardul takur washington sundar these are all very very good players i am not shitting on them in fact i am the i i have been appointed on twitter as the fan president for shardul takur fan club so i like but realistically what hope did we have coming into all of this and where have we ended up now is the is is unbelievable a secondly personally i'm going to say shame on all of you all your rigorous analysis your measured scientific uh, thought process reality has made a joke out of it in fact reality has made a joke out of me also i exaggerated reality out exaggerated me like every time i say something extraordinary like shardul takur is the greatest batsman reality will come back and say ha huh, now he will make 67 he will uh, hook uh, you know pat comes for a six and then he will do a cover drive which will which is probably the best shot in the series that's that's what shardul takur is going to do not only that he's going to pick up seven wickets then comes washington sundar whose last i mean the last time i saw him bat this assuredly wasn't tnpl where he made like in the inaugural series he made like 500 600 runs the mad runs but look at that bowling attack and look at this and what has he done he's just scored some 80 odd runs then your first choice openers like you expect going into day 5 rohit sharma will you know come and bat uh, and beautifully and make some great runs he gets out at 7 and then this young kid shubman gill comes and makes 91 so reality has out exaggerated all of us today and there is nowhere to go i mean uh, we, we have to accept that there is i mean exaggeration has failed so has uh, measured analysis today has been you know a wild deviation from normal that's what today is and secondly this all feels a little bit criminal no as you are saying you take it took you back to your childhood days for me it feels like it, it feels the same and therefore i am very skeptical that is it allowed to be this happy is is one allowed to be this happy because uh, we are just coming out of 2020 and uh, reality has been kicking all our balls left right center and today has been like on wild rush of happiness and i am i am asking myself uh, okay should i be happy should i be overjoyed because i am this feels like it this occasion demands it but uh, <laughs> i am not even sure that if i should be this happy but uh, it's been a fantastic result for uh, for the team and uh, they should really be you know india should really be proud of what they have achieved they have, they there is very little excuses that uh, people can throw their way that uh, no no it is because of xyz reasons that uh, you won the series they actually went against a near full strength australia and they got a 2-1 result so yeah i mean it was a full strength i don't see any near full strength here uh, no no warner but, warner was not there for a couple of tests right like uh, so. yeah yeah but i'm saying the final test the uh, gabba test uh, you know uh, you 
I think, uh, you know, you, okay, you can say Pukowski missed out and all, but come on. I, yeah, mean, I guess yeah. given everything, this is uh, pretty much as no, good as you can get. It was not a Australia. December Gabba test. Tim Payne will say next time you come in December, not in January. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next that time... <laughs> yeah, the next time you also come to, you know, uh, Delhi on day five on Kotla and then, no, all that, <laughs> see, this is all, so the point is, there is, there are no excuses to be made. I mean, this is a full-on great victory by the Indian team. They have beaten odds that, you know, uh, I was just before, before even joining this podcast, out of curiosity, I just went to Stats Guru and saw how many times has a target of 300 plus has been set in tests for the fourth innings. Nearly uh, some 695 times. That is some insane number of times. And how many times teams have won chasing 333 times. So you have just a 4% chance to win a test if your opposition keeps 300 plus as, you know, your uh, target. 65% of the time you're going to lose. 30% of the time you're going to win. So these are the numbers. This is what has happened. We have See, Ashoka, this-, this is what the series are reducing to. You have also gone to get into serious analytical discussions. No, I, I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm just saying, if you, if, if what we witnessed today was a 5% occurrence, <laughs> this is so far off the normal I mean, 5% is like, uh, I think an exaggeration. I think at the break, uh, there was a time in this uh, fifth day when the chances that India had so was 1% according to that uh, WinWiz. But uh, okay, let me let me bring in Mahesh. I mean, we've, uh, Mahesh and I started this uh, website slash podcast and all that a uh, couple of years ago. And we na- decided to name it 81 All Out, not because we were some, uh, you know, I mean, partly probably because we, because we were masochists, but also because, you know, we held on to something that meant so much to us over time. And, you know, it's precisely the kind of defeats that you hold on to that make the victory such as this even more sweeter. So, yeah, so, you know, again, in this series, you have 36 all out and then you have uh, this victory. I mean, you have each and each victory outdoing the other, each test outdoing the other. So, yeah, Mahesh, uh, thoughts uh, and reactions. No, I'm really happy we had the kind of series that we had after the kind of year that we've had, 2020. Like, for instance, when uh, when West Indies went to England, there was a lot of uh, discussion about does cricket matter more than, you know, the society, as in should we be playing cricket in the midst of a pandemic like this? And, uh, you know, there were a little bit of a moral dilemma about it, but, but the emphatic answer, even after that series was clear, and particularly after this, is absolutely clear. Like, if you don't have cricket to resort to, what else do you have in life? in a time like this. So I'm really happy that we had this uh, sort of a cricket summer after the kind of year that we've had. One, it is good for all of us who are invested in cricket. In terms of personal memories, like you mentioned, I mean, 2001 came back to mind, but more than 2001 for me, I mean, 2001 came back only after people started inviting these comparisons with the great series. But purely in terms of the context of the match, for me, it was more like the the, the 99 Chennai test or uh, or even 81 all out to some extent. There were those, you know, like when, when Pant went for that big sort of hike down the ground, uh, which fell in an, in no man's land, there were, there were those fears. And then one wicket falls, then Sydney 2008 came into, uh, you know, came into memory, Michael Clark getting three wickets in one over. So I, I think it was all of that, but, but I don't think, I mean, I'll be faking it if I say those were real feelings. Those were just your nostalgia hooks coming back in play. Otherwise, you know, you, you, you were reasonably confident that, that, that they'll pull it off. And, and also, like, like I mentioned in the last one, I'm, I, I really think the fourth innings, the nature of fourth innings chases are changing. And I, 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 I want that trend to evolve into something bigger. 
So in many ways, I was hoping that they'll go for the chase and, and they'll be able to pull off as improbable as it was. Uh, KD will say, you got a flu, that's fine. Uh, and this is actually, I mean, it's one of the conversations that I was having with uh, this Australian writer, Christian Ryan, uh, who actually was the first one to say that uh, this is a trend that will change. It's only a matter of time before all these big 400, 450 kind of fourth innings targets become chaseable. Um, I mean, I didn't want to come across like name dropping last time, so I didn't mention his name. But it's only after he mentioned it, I've been like, you know, a lot more invested in this sort of uh, theme. And I'm really happy that they went for it. I know uh, Karthikeya sincerely believes they didn't go for it last time. Uh, perhaps they didn't. But just because you don't go for it, Abinishio doesn't mean you will not go for it eventually if you set yourself up. I'll talk a little, little bit more about how India went about this chase, particularly the role of Pujara. But but I'm really glad that uh, that a big fourth league chase has been successful. And I really hope this this is the starting of a trend. Uh, Karthikeya, please tell me that at some point during the chase, especially at the end, you felt some emotion mm-hmm. at this victory. I, I see that you have put up a... By the way, I see that your latest post is uh, has is titled EPIC in all caps, which is itself a massive uh, change for you, I feel. Uh, so you seem to have been moved. Well, it was a very good team. They played really well. It's, you know, what? how can you not be moved? You... You got to watch Pat Cummins and you got to watch Steve Smith and you got to watch two phenomenal talents have a great day. It was a phenomenal day. But you seem so sad, man. Come on, Katie, you seem so sad. (laughs) I woke up at two in the morning to watch it. And I don't regret that at all. Uh, You know, I've juggled my whole work schedule around making sure that I can watch as much of this series as I can and uh, it's very very good decision on my part basically it's been a much faster scoring test match overall compared to the first first especially the first two and even the third uh, like for example in the first test match uh, it was uh, oh, uh, average first inning score over 100 overs was 260. In the in Sydney, I think it was 280. Over here, it was 3 315. Australia scored at four and over in the third innings. So, I mean, if 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 the rain came, then uh, it, it was probably going to end in a draw. But if India stayed didn't get bowled out, they were going to win. And you know, otherwise Australia were going to win. And I, I, I thought the favorite result was Australia winning, frankly. Uh, because, you know, the, the ball, the wicket is doing so much in terms of uneven bounds and stuff that I thought that, you know, 10 balls with the batsman's name written on them would definitely going to come. You know, that Pujara took a lot of those on the body. And uh, I think that sort of helped a, a lot. I mean, it basically shut down one end. And... Uh, you know, I think something that we underestimate is how exhausting it is to bowl to Pujara and to try and get him out. I mean, he's he lasts like hundreds of balls in every test match and, you know, the bowlers get, probably get tired just bowling at him and make life easier for other batsmen. But, uh, I, I mean, I was never ever in doubt after, let's see, uh, uh, one, even after Ajinkya Rahane got out, I, n- I never felt that, you know, 
this was ever going to be shaky well uh, i i hate to agree with uh, kartikeya but i'm going to do that because i thought it was australia's match to lose till at least you know the 70th over or the 75th over once it went to the new ball and uh, you know the total started coming down to 60 65 i really the, only then did we did i entertain any hopes of india winning at all till then it was it was very bleak man i mean 300 in a day i don't know uh, mahesh speaks of a trend i want to believe it uh, and surprisingly he is more uh, progressive in this thing is this in this opinion because i watch more t20 than he he does so but i still still think that if you have a 300 plus target you are not going to make it most of the time you are not going to make it, it yeah. the best you can hope for is a draw is what i i think and it is going to be a very 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 rare event because simply because of the number of overs that you get to face and the amount of mistakes that you are allowed to make i mean i'm not saying 5% yeah. you can 50% but 5 to 7 and a half is still a 50% improvement that's what i'm saying and that that it's a bit like the follow on effect right it's not like every team which follows on and puts on a big sort of third innings total and and goes on to win it doesn't need that level of consistency for the dynamics to change all it needs is two big such such innings and the dynamics of such declarations will change so that is what i'm talking about yeah i mean it used to happen with sevag i mean when sevag was in the indian team teams would not declare uh you know with uh, even with a target of 300 because they would say okay what if this guy gets like a quick 80 and then we're finished so no, the, no, the whole... sidvi and mahesh the point is uh, if it moves from 5 to 7% you still will have 93 or 94 times you you are not going to see it your the occurrences that may increase slightly in that case yeah. you are not going to still see a 300 plus chase that's going to happen it is it is going to be still rare unless it moves from 5% to 30% say so every uh, 10 matches that you see uh, in in which uh, teams are set uh, 250 plus targets and let's not even go to 300 plus 250 plus targets if teams are chasing it three times out of 10 then that's a trend i mean even 250 i think is a very hard target uh, in test even today even with all the ipl and bbl and whatever else that you have it's going to be it's, it's a tough thing and therefore today what we witnessed was a bloody rare event rather than a start of a trend is is what i all i'm saying no but i mean i think i i'm not really sure what it means to you know chase a target for a whole day i don't think they did that here and i i mean i don't think they did that at sydney at any time i think they, <laughs> you just bat i think that's what they do and then if at some point late in the game for the last 100 120 runs if they find themselves in a position where they they have the players and they have the wickets to go for it then they can go for it you know right right today i think there was what 100 to win in the last 20 overs fifth pant well set then there was it was it was a and and wickets in hand you know six wickets in hand six seven wickets in hand it was it was even pujara it. was there even pujara and, was there and and yeah. when they went for those uh, you know when they started playing those really innovative strokes and started actually going for it it was it was reaching a stage by when india would have found it difficult to lose from there so uh, you know when pant and washington sundar were actually like going <laughs> trying to blaze away uh, yeah, i think they, by then there were 15 8 overs Yeah. It was 15 so by so by then they had backed that uh, back the rest of the five wickets to be like okay even if worst case they will hang on 
so and they sort of also i think one of the other things that they wanted to do i think was also to you know to see off most of cummins's last spell you know i mean then that cummins's last over or penultimate over i think then washington sundar took those two chances and you know then they started swinging you know uh, that is a that 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 is something that you know these guys are really good at you know and and i i think you can say that it's because of ipl or because actually even uh, so there's been so much run inflation in one day cricket in the last 15 20 years compared to what one day cricket was in 90s uh, and so these guys are all very uh, they've cultivated all these strokes i mean the and so <laughs> it's not like they're improvising out of the, it's not like they're improvising and doing something they've never done before they've done it a lot so yeah i mean even uh, in headingly when stokes uh, went with those reverse swats and got sixes i mean he yeah. he was he was he, he had practiced that it's very clear it's, it's not it's like suddenly than, spur of the moment he it's more than these innovative shots right these taps and glides and and sort of drill uh, scoops or whatever it's much more than that the fact that they practice consistent hitting so yeah. often so many times will lead you to become a better hitter of course it's going to take away something else from your game but by and large a median cricketer today is a much better hitter than yeah. like when i say hitter i'm saying you keep a long on there he's going to play the long on comfortably that's what uh, shardul did that's what uh, pant did today um, so that i think yeah, the problem that's what rohit sharma tried to do and then gave up midway and got out i am not sure if he actually tried to do that to be honest he was trying to repeat the chip shot that he played fairly well in the in the previous innings uh, in the in the second innings at sydney uh, but we can take this i am happy to take this bait but uh, but today <laughs> is not the rohit sharma day i suppose we should not forget that you know this this same team has failed on two previous occasions going for such totals you know there was adelaide in when was it 2015 2014 for yeah, and then there was the oval yeah. Yeah. yeah there was oval in uh, 2018 and both times they kept going for it and you know it didn't work and they got they were they were they lost i in fact i was thinking along those same lines but if you look at it after pant got out in uh, after kl got out in oval and and particularly after pant got out they were still going berserk which was not a good sort of risk reward choices but here they were pretty smart and then they were i mean i wouldn't one is they were smart but they also had extraordinary resources in the form of pujara because pujara did two things right i mean uh, everybody is talking about how he was strong walling cummins and he kind of ensured one end there was no wicket falling that's one of the things that he did this despite being the slowest 50 he was also he was very clearly constructing his innings around taking the chase deeper it is not about pujara playing for a draw and uh, and you know gil rahane and pant playing for the win i think pujara was also constructing his innings around taking the chase deep one he was completely shutting down one end particularly when cummins was bowling before lunch but even before lunch even when he was on 3 for 30 or something the first boundary that he scored was a stark so every time stark came on to bowl he fancied his chances so he took on his chances i mean he played three sort of cuts over uh, a point in gully which is not as which is not something that you will play if you are playing for a draw so pujara had a very clear strategy of taking cummins as a wicket taking threat out by completely blocking him then also kind of fancying his chances against other bowling like he took on nathan lyon when he was bowling short just like marginally short he went back and he was not going like straightish 
midwicket. He was going behind kind of square where there was a gap. And there were two fielders in the circle. He got a couple over there. He got a boundary over there. And even the one over that Labushin bowled, he was trying to hit every ball. Like, you know, that could have possibly delayed the new ball. He could have probably bowled three, four overs. He could have invited Pant to take on whatever. But none of that happened because Pujara was so intent on scoring against other bowlers. That is a better way of looking at Pujara's batting than just saying that uh, he's wasting deliveries. I mean, what is wasting deliveries, first of all, when you have 100 overs and 300 runs to get and all you have is like, all you have is just one mistake against you and then you're gone. And then you're exposing your lower order. I really don't know what wasting deliveries or bunting is in or, or stonewalling in that context. I, I don't understand why people even say that. Yeah, but they say that because they think about all these things in extremely sort of tactical terms. Now, whereas this is not, I mean, <laughs> I don't think test cricket is tactical in the same way that T20 is tactical. You know, that I think the test cricket is about the quality of the labor. You know, it's about the quality of the bowling and the quality of the batting. And basically, if you want to survive against Pat Cummins, you have to have a good defense. Otherwise, you're not going to survive. And, you know, Pujara has a good defense. And Pujara has faced 255 balls from Pat Cummins in this series. He scored only 55 runs and Cummins has got him out five times, actually. Uh, and, I, you know, even if he says so himself, it's still true that you know, at least I think four out of those five balls are basically unplayable. Uh, so, I think a lot of the time, these guys are just trying to play. They're just trying to bat and they're just, the bowlers are just trying to get them out. And sometimes the game breaks in a, in a, in a, into a situation where they can get, you know, like, you know, 100 in the last 20 overs or 50 in the last 8 overs or something like that. Those types of small situations where for half an hour, 45 minutes, they can sort of push for some specific goal. You know, But by and large, I think what they're doing ball after ball is to try and survive the batsman. You know, and, you know, I, I thought at the beginning of this test match that if India were to chase this, they would have to have someone at the top of the order make a big 100. And basically, Gil made half of... Half of it, he made 91 and Pujara made 89. And between Pujara and Gil, they made... Uh, no, sorry, not Pujara and Gil. Between Panth and Gil, they made 180 in, I think, what, 274 balls. You know, that, that's one awesome innings. But it was not... Okay, I, I'll probably want to intervene over there. One, I agree with your assessment, let's say, of the Sydney Chase, for instance. They were just playing their game and if they found themselves in a situation where, you know, they could take it deep, they would give themselves a chance. But here, while Pujara was kind of stonewalling Cummins at one end, uh, Gil actually was taking fairly disproportionate chances against Stark when he, when he came back after lunch. And some Do of the you think that's that he, not his game? I don't think so. I don't think in a normal situation with two fielders back, with fine leg and square leg, he would have actually taken him on uh, over the top. I don't think so, if not for a very clear purpose of chasing down that target. And even uh, I think I, I think, think in these I think in these situations, uh, especially against this attack on this wicket, which is sort of fast scoring, where the ball is but come you on, can hit on the rise. Hardly, hardly effective. I I don't buy into yeah. the, this attack when you were talking about Stark, particularly in this innings. And it was very obvious yeah. that the entire Indian lineup was after to start. The moment he came into the attack, <coughs> was batting went on to attack. Was it Pujara? Was it? Uh, 
Gil was it Pant? Everybody was trying to attack Stark, so that was a very clear strategy. Yeah, but that's not. I I okay. Well, I I think that's sort of. I'm not sure that that's a strategy because I think basically Stark is a different kind of bowler compared to Hazelwood and Cummins. You know, Stark doesn't really have the back of a length uh, holding delivery. He's an out and out attacking bowler. He was still not going for four and a half, five at any point of time in the series. I mean, even though he didn't bowl particularly great in the series. Yeah, but that's because those are not. those are not fast scoring conditions you know i think there are some conditions which are fast scoring and some conditions which are not you know and i think that you can see that from the fact that both teams are always scoring at roughly the same speed in the same test match it's not like they are scoring at 4 and we are india are scoring at like 2 and a half you know it's it's like at, at in adelaide for example if you remember both teams in the first 100 overs of the or first 50 70 overs of the first innings and it's like roughly 2 and over i mean i don't think that's a coincidence uh, and over here they have managed like 3 and over i don't think that's a coincidence either but i, I think but the, how do you, how do you i think there are the more contest? the range of shots which are on in a given set of conditions varies but how do you explain the difference between the economy rate of let's say stark and and cummins i mean essentially the decision oh, i think stark has a stark stark had a really bad outing today i mean he, he couldn't have fight the length Uh, his 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 shot his, when he dropped it short he was not quick uh, I, i wouldn't be surprised if he was actually hurt i i, I even saw something in the news no about yeah he was yeah he was i mean was, they, was, the previous day evening he left limping so there was some hamstring yeah. sort of he is not uh, i mean he, he he didn't have his uh, he didn't have his usual nip and you know and 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 he doesn't have that he doesn't have that ability like like you know peter seidel has that ability to he can pull his length back and just bowl back of length back of length back of length and you know keep the runs down and and mitchell stark doesn't have that he has to go you know full blast all the time and that's his game and when the things are in his favor they he's un, un, unplayable and you know when they are not you know you can score runs from him I think they came out with a very clear idea of stonewalling Cummins and to take on uh, Stark, possibly because he was injured, whatever it is. But there was a very clear uh, logic to the way they went about it, and even the way Pujara played both those bowlers was indicative of that. Sorry, the other thing about Pujara that I, I wanted to talk about is is him getting hit on the body, right? Like, I mean, I know it can be talked a lot about uh, in the form of grit and character and all that, which is which is fine. I mean, getting hit on, uh, of a cricket ball, especially voluntarily, is is not easy. I, I mean, all credit to that. But but my point is, a lot of cricketers would be willing to do that. I mean, at, at least at the international level. So that is not the only thing. What the other, the more important thing that Pujara did, unlike let's say what Ashwin did in the last test, or like Dhoni did in Oval, or or was it Oval? I guess where he was willingly taking the ball on the body. is that this was a conscious technical change he was deliberately underplaying the length so that the bat doesn't poke anywhere near uh, for a nasty bounce so that it edges and goes off even the one ball where he actually the the ball takes the edge when he's trying to evade was far behind him right it it is never in front of his body where he's trying to defend so every pretty much every blow of the blow on the body that he took is a conscious decision for him to underplay the length of the ball therefore not offering the bat for any edges to sort of fly around and and what was amusing for me is that eventually the way he got out is also one of those inconsistent bounces in which he actually tried to play in front of his body i mean he didn't have a choice because it came straight at him 
and and given the uh, substantial difference between the what should have been the actual bounds and the eventual sort of bounds i am a little surprised uh, i know kartikeya immediately called it a good decision but i was surprised that umpire even gave it out given such a stark difference but but for a batsman who was handling that differential bounce so beautifully and so consciously i mean so i mean by tweaking his technique not just you know showing his body and taking it on but tweaking his technique and taking not body so that it reduces the pro- probability of his dismissal to eventually get out that way was a little bit a uh, bit of a misfortune it was such a marginal call but but a terrific terrific innings overall yeah that uh, the whole point uh, that you're making it uh, reminded reminded me also a bit of uh, 2007 when india were in england when they won that series there was this test in trent bridge when sachin did something similar actually uh when you know they uh, all all the bowlers were pretty much trying to get him you know trying to hurry him with that and then he just kept taking things on the body and then what do you do and that's that's you your whole plan falls apart when a batsman decides that okay i'm i'm just going to get hit so uh yeah but but yeah talking about uh, the start of the cha- start of the day for a while i thought gills hand eye coordination was something else i mean here the guy is you know has this kind of a technique that is uh, and i'm sure somebody has made this point through the series as well it is not easy to coach it is not something that you would coach even because it is not the classical uh, kind of technique i mean here's this guy who is clearly has a sensational eye and can you know hit the ball and he he shapes up and he hits it and uh, you know the if you see the the shape of his body and the bat as he does it it is it is quite impossible to teach anyone how how to do it this is pure natural instinct that he is using and he, he, what, what making, a glorious innings he is making uh, rohit sharma look hurried that <laughs> yeah i mean he plays it so late dude i mean and he's so you know laid back and calm about it which is, which in fact is uh, the technical thing is like he plays fast bowling really well he has like a lot of time to make decisions proper decisions and uh, you know uh, place the ball correctly in the gaps and stuff so Uh, it is insane talent i mean I, it is unbelievable that this guy is just 21 and uh, i mean uh, far before this series i think or midway through this series i was telling some in in some whatsapp group that i was telling that this guy is already looking like he's 3 years into international cricket like someone who has been the is someone who has played like 30 40 tests the assuredness of that guy this guy has it in like in his first or second outing that is crazy i'm quite fascinated about the fact that uh, the idea of technique in cricket particularly when it comes to batting is so expansive in these days that that you know pretty much everybody can be described as idiosyncratic like labushin is idiosyncratic steven smith is idiosyncratic um, you know pant is idiosyncratic now gill is idiosyncratic which means essentially that we are stuck with a very outdated definition of technique so i was listening to uh, one of sanjay bangas interview like immediately after he moved out of his batting coach role and and he was taking i don't know was it uh, was it rohit sharma or pujara he was taking one of their examples and and in explaining how he worked on the bat speed and and he was showing how uh, you know at the moment they start fa- taking the like fa- uh, hitting the ball behind with the bat behind their pad and not in front of their body the probability of them surviving increases substantially so you know they're not looking at footwork they're not looking at the 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 head being still and elbow and and moving back and across you know they, they, these sort of ideas of proper technique is is at least 30 years old right at least 
like even ponting didn't play the pull the conventional way so the coaching the standard of coaching and the and the science of coaching has improved so much unfortunately on television it doesn't get mentioned because people are still talking about rubbish and even in terms of writing i don't think cricket writing has explored this aspect enough because there is even from people like vikram rathore and and sanjay bangla there's so much to learn because these guys have gone through proper sort of uh, you know uh, courses education on coaching and you can't go by your opinion of sanjay bangar as a batsman you have to understand what he is bringing to the table as a coach so my sense is that what we see as idiosyncratic technique is also fairly refined technique and and, a, and someone who understands how to coach will know how to you know tweak let's say someone like gills game like even marcus harris they showed right he doesn't look like a technically perfect player but look at the changes that he's made from the last series to the series so my sense is that we are seeing a lot more so called idiosyncratic cricketers because i think the science of coaching and the idea of coaching has has expanded the definitions of of technique and unfortunately as as sports followers we do not get enough depth on it and unfortunately especially given the kind of video coverage we do have and uh, you know uh, there is so much of a chance to provide that i mean by whoever wants to especially former cricketers and things occasionally you do read uh, i you do read but yeah there is nowhere as close to the depth i mean i'm talking about uh, the coaching you know sanjay bangar vikram rathore uh, the bowling coach bharat arun uh, paras mamre who has uh, coached uh, young indian bowlers uh, you know and their various other cricketers i mean it's instructive and i was talking to a couple of people about this and it's instructive that all these uh, players uh, never had this access to this coaching when they were coming up and in fact there was this interview with bharat arun uh, where he said that you know when i was uh, you know coming up and when i was trying to become a bowler become a medium pacer people were always talking about you know the the technical aspects and telling me that you are not releasing the ball where you should release it but uh, you know it is very difficult for a bowler to adjust where he is releasing the ball because simply because he's you know when he's going through the action he's not going to minutely focus on that angle at which he's releasing instead he says the easier thing to tell a bowler is where to pitch the ball so you tell the bowler where to pitch the ball they will automatically adjust where they are releasing it from you know the fuller ball gets a different release the shorter ball gets a later release and so these small things you know they seem very very obvious but uh, you know they aren't especially if you are uh, not told this at an early age and i'm sure it's very similar for batting and uh, all that uh, you spoke about with bangar so the point that i was trying to make is that gil looks very very refined he looks like he's very sure about his uh, you know the shot making whereas for point of comparison you can take mayank agarwal you know mayank agarwal was making runs and even while he was making runs you you did get the feeling that he was trying to find his feet as an opener or as a test cricketer himself but gil doesn't look like that gil looks like he's already a finished product and and that is the difference that is the perception that a difference in perception that i was alluding to uh, maybe it has it has to do a lot with the technique but uh, but when you watch i mean when you watch both these players in comparison both are extremely good players but gil looks like he's like a notch above mayank yeah and and you speak to uh, you know selectors and you just uh, get a sense of uh, you know it's when you talk to any selector especially the really good ones i mean the uh, one of the things that they will always mention in their uh, 
assessment of a cricketer is the amount of time he has. I mean, the moment you see a fast bowler running in at uh, 140 plus and you have a guy who has time enough to go back and get on his uh, toes and defend or pull a hook, I mean, you know that there's something going on here. I mean, you watch him even closer. And the second thing is that, you know, you, people talk about the sound that the ball makes when it goes off the bat. I mean, this that is something that junior selectors are attuned to. They know that sound that asks you to be noticed. You know, and when you go to a Maidan filled with 100 boys and you see so many of them batting, but the moment they hear that sound, they're like, oh, okay, who's this? Let's look closer. So these are all blatantly obvious that Gil, at, when he was a very young kid, uh, had all this. And so he's coming here pretty ready. But again, you know, he also had the advantage of eight tours. He also had the, you know, he he's he's equipped for various other reasons as well because he has gone and played against pretty good attacks all over, you know, all over, wherever no, he has and, gone. And also, let's not forget the fact that he's a phenomenal player in Ranji Trophy. I mean, he's got an extraordinary record in Ranji Trophy, even without eight tours, without, even without the under-19 World Cup or whatever. The guy's first-class record is unbelievable. So he's always been a notch above the rest in pretty much every category of cricket that he's played in. And, 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 and you know, apart from defensive technique, in terms of shot making and, and sort of, uh, you know, basically justifying the risk reward uh, of his, his style of play, he's always been far above anybody in his league. And that shows. So it is no surprise that he's better than Mayank, for instance. But the, my only note of caution is that that his technique of limited movement, of playing besides the line, of playing it late, right under his eyes, will get tested. And it'll get tested like, I mean, if I know like a lot of people in retrospect said that they are happy to say that India should have played uh, Gil ahead of Shaw even in uh, Adelaide. But, but, but it's, you know, in those kind of conditions against these kind of bowlers, he could have been equally tested as well. I mean, I'm as excited about Gil as you guys are. It's just that I, I'm just saying he will be tested. It's a peculiarity of all these uh, players from Delhi and Punjab. No, this this I, this method of staying beside the ball. You know, Sehwag used to play like that. Gill plays like that. Pant plays like that. Uh, Dhawan plays like that. Uh, you know, Pujara Kohli, plays. Kohli occasionally plays like that. Actually, yeah, Kohli is actually an exception. I think Kohli is a much more. Uh, what's what's the what's the proper word here? Much more, much more conventionally orthodox uh, player. I mean, he <coughs> he has a he and Smith are actually like an ex- exceptions right now. They are all they are both you know conventionally orthodox. They stand with their feet close together. They they come go go forward or they go back. Whereas you know these guys, I know Mayank Agarwal. If you see his stance, it's like he's almost playing forward, like before the ball is bowled. And that's how far apart his feet are. And the whole theory of that is, it seems, uh, according to something I was reading the other day in one one of these TCM articles, it is uh, the whole point of that, doing that, standing that like that, and then also standing with the back, back high up in the back lift, is to save time. Uh, you know, so that you don't really have to do move that much to shift your weight back or shift your weight forward and bring the back down. Uh but, you know, it doesn't, I mean, there are players who are playing in a normal way who are doing just as well. So, it's not, it's not clear that it's a better way, but it's definitely a different way. 
I wanted to talk about uh, Lion. I mean, uh, you know, given his record in Australia and given his experience and given that this was a fifth day pitch, which is pretty much, you know, his his playing field or, or spinner's playing field or it, as it's generally expected to be. Uh, what was your assessment of him? And did, the, did India just basically have a terrific plan against him? Because uh, each batsman, um, you know, it was pretty clear that... Uh, they were uh, right from Sydney, in fact. Um, and throughout the series, I don't think he had uh, uh, anything major going. He was probably outbowled by Washington Sundar in this match also, um, which is, of course, not saying anything bad about Washington Sundar, but I'm saying here's a debutante who has uh, outbowled uh, a man of, who has played 100 tests. But I thought uh, he was terribly unlucky. Not that India were like going all out bonkers, except uh, Rishabh Pant, who's normally only bonkers. But uh, uh, I thought he was terribly unlucky uh, and uh, he should have gotten more wickets. Uh, I mean, he would repeat this performance and would get more wickets some other day. I I am 100% sure of this. But uh, he he actually bowled very well, I thought, for someone who didn't get that much wickets. I know that Vaughn was going on about in commentary saying that he should be bowling outside off stump length. Uh, what is he doing trying bowling? middle and leg and all that. But uh, uh, that is Shane one and that is Nathan Lyon. Uh, I am not an expert. I have not taken one wicket bowling spin. So I would not want to comment on that. But overall, I thought he was really very tight and he bowled according to plan and, and to the field. At least from what I saw, he beat Rishabh Pan four or five times, man. And uh, there was one uh, difficult uh, stumping chance also. And... The ball was turning wildly. So, he would have gotten more wickets, I thought, here. Sydney, also, I felt that he was slightly unlucky. There's also the LBW to Pujara, which I don't know the name I got. I mean, India played him well. I mean, these are good players. You know, these are... I mean, I don't think there's another 11 or another batting side in the world right now, which, which is this good against spin. You know, so India played him well. You know, without question. I don't think he bowled as badly as his figures suggest. I mean, his figures are harsh. One of the advantages for Pant is that he played in two situations in which, you know, like like the the Sydney one was, you know, like it was an innings where he had nothing to lose in some in some sense. And he could, especially at the, at the early part of the innings where he went berserk against against Lyon. But uh, the, the nature of Lyon's bowling is such that given the amount of overspin he gets... Uh, he's a particularly hard bowler for for some of the Indian cricketers to play because you know Indian Indians like to you know go on top, you know take the aerial route and and go down the wicket and head him over the top. And and if there's any type of bowler who's, who's it's going to be hard against, it's probably someone like Lyon, right? Who gets so much overspin and and therefore the the probability of you sort of skying uh, uh, an aerial shot is higher. So what I think Indians have done very smartly from from some of their last past mistakes, especially from the last series, is is the fact that they they don't attack him too much, and even when they attack him, they don't try to go aerial. Like like the way Gill plays is pretty much along the ground. I think Rohit Sharma is the only one who still tries to go aerial. Uh, I mean, when like Mayank of course did, but that was such a clean hit. Uh, but beyond those clean hits of sixes, if you see, nobody plays the chip shots uh, like Rohit tried to play. So everybody is trying to drive down the ground, and, and a lot more people are trying to play on the offside, and they try to convert a lot of the you know marginally short balls to play off the back foot. Uh, in fact, 
I was a little surprised that Indians didn't do more of that here in Brisbane when the bounce is a little higher and they could have easily played him off the off the wicket a lot more comfortably. But I don't think, I mean, um, I, this is this is one of my pet peeves that, that sometimes I think Lion has not held to the same standards as other great spinners. And then you have that kind of a fourth innings record. Uh, I think a lot of other bowlers will be questioned a lot more about what you're doing. I mean, I understand Indians are countering you better, but... Like uh, there was a segment uh, in uh, in Fox Fox I think where Kiri O'Keefe mentioned about what Lion is comfortable doing. He likes to have a long on irrespective of the batsman. He doesn't always prefer to have a, a silly mid off or a, or a silly point. I mean, all that is fine as a default strategy when you're bowling well. But when things are not working in your favor, you have to do something to counter it, right? It's not like you know Ashwin cannot sit back and say this is the way I bowl. I mean. One, Indians are a lot more ruthless as, as fans. That's one thing. But by and large, I don't think Lion is held to the same standards as, as a veteran who's played 100 tests and who's, who's taken nearly four wickets a test. I, I, I think he, he, I expected him to come back with, with something different to counter what Indians are doing to him, which I was a little disappointed that he, that he didn't do. Which brings me to the final act of the day and... Uh... Rishabh Pant, of course, who we have touched upon and we can talk about. Um, Washington Sundar, Shardul Thakur, and uh, Saini. Did Saini even bat? Uh, no, I no, I, didn't he, I don't think he, 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 yeah, he, he batted, I think, in the first innings. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. He came in just in the non-striker end, right? So, he didn't. Uh, because uh, Shardul, by the time he got out, they crossed. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, were you guys, uh, I mean, uh, KD is out of this question. But uh, Ashoka and Mahesh, were you guys even able to focus on every ball that was happening towards the end? Yeah, of course. Uh, but uh, I am kind of impressed overall with, uh, you know, uh, Washington Sundar's batting. He looked terribly calm for a guy who's doing debut and uh, who's in such a pressure situation, debuting in GABA. Uh I thought he batted, I mean, uh, like a proper top-order batsman. Very impressed with Washington Sundar. Washington... Gary Sober's like shot, man, that went for six. Dude, he had he had two million dollar sixes. One in the first innings, one here. Like, it was crazy the way that, uh, you know. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, of course, Shardul Thakur, second innings, he just skied one. But first innings, he also batted. Uh, at that point, I knew that, uh, you know, Shardul Thakur, it was like, okay, fine. He's uh, he's capable of holding himself. But uh, Sundar uh, was very confident driving down the ground and all that. Dude. So, it was fantastic uh, watching him bat. And there's an ease about him, right? About yeah. Sundar. I mean, there's, there's something so... Uh, I mean, it's first of all, beautiful to watch him play. And especially when he drives uh, and when he, you know, the when the whole bat... The arc of the, you can see the whole arc of the bat coming through at the smooth flow. But again, which brings us back to that time, you know, we spoke about it with Gil, but even Washington Sundar seems to have quite a lot of time on his hands there. Talking of Washington Sundar, I, I mean, like like all, both of you mentioned, he looks very organized and uh, he looks like a proper batsman. That's also because he, he started off as a proper batsman. Uh, one thing I was very surprised about the hook of Cummins for six was in the first innings, when he was trying to score runs faster, especially with the tail, he was actually struggling to hit the fast bowlers of the back foot. Like he tried to play the card, he tried to pull, but he couldn't really connect anything. And, and then, you know, when Lyon came on, he hit that 
that sticks with, with extraordinary swag. But apart from that, he wasn't really comfortable or, or I wouldn't say he had a lot of time to play the shots of the fast bowlers. He was organized enough to drive in front of the ground, but he wasn't too organized enough to you know play all the shots. Uh, I mean, he didn't have too much time against fast bowlers to play all the shots. So in a way, I was a little surprised with the hook, but I also think it was a little pre premeditated. And that kind of gave him the extra time, but uh, but an extraordinary shot. And, and the next one was a bit of a, a streaky shot, right? It, it, it took the top edge and, and went into the square region. Uh, I mean, it is. I, I was very impressed with the first drive that he played, the off drive. And there was another off drive that he played where he almost took a single, took off for a single. Thankfully, uh, Pant responded pretty quickly. So it was an impressive innings. But but I think the first innings was really impressive. Second innings. I mean, it looks great because he got the hook going, but I don't think, I mean, to, to reach for Sobas is a little too much, but I thought it was a little premeditated and that kind of helped it. Many of these guys who played in this, I mean, uh, Shardul, Washington Sundar, uh, who knows when they're going to play again? I mean, you know, when the India's in, yeah. in full strength, there's no uh, spots available. Uh, Saini, Siraj. For Siraj, for that matter, who we haven't even spoke about, uh, spoken about. And by the way, uh, we decided to focus this only on day five because there was so much to talk about. But hopefully, we will also do a, a full series review at some point to uh, you know recap all the uh, performances and talk a bit about a few other players. But my question is, shouldn't there be some questions asked of those bowling attack, given how much hyped it was? I mean, I understand. I mean, going into this, there was so much hype about is this the best bowling attack? Since you know, or not even since. In fact, they, they were comparing it with McGraw Vaughan and uh, and Gillespie and Bradley and whatever. And the pr primary argument seems to be the fourth bowler here is better than the fourth bowler over there, which is a nothing argument given the second bowler there is Vaughan, if not the first bowler, and the second bowler here is Lyon. And that difference is not going to be bridged by even having a sixth bowler better than their fourth bowler. Uh, and and Stark didn't quite perform well, and Lyon didn't quite perform well. So. I believe Australia, if anything, were let down by their bowling more than their batting. I don't think so. I mean, they they created a lot of chances in Sydney. I mean, they created 130 fall shots and they got five wickets. That's not going to happen most times when they create 130 fall shots. I mean, it's not. You can you can say that India one outlier is fine. Three outliers. Right. You can say that, but so this is the this is the like Australia Australia. Teams have chased more than 300 in Australia three times in 150 years. And this was the third time. Uh, and teams have survived 131 overs or more to either save or win a test match four times in 150 years in Australia. And Sydney was the was the fourth time. You know, these are and, and India have also been bowled out for 36 in this in this in this series. So I mean, this is a weird series where there are all kinds of outliers. I don't I don't I don't I don't think there's any any uh, sort of general conclusion to be drawn. You know, I mean you can talk about the that Australian side of Vaughan and McGrath. I mean they faced that side faced one decent bowling attack in England in 2005 and they lost. You know, and they were in exactly India's position. You know, they they were they McGrath was out for what the two tests, three tests and they lost the series in that time. No, that's right. So, I mean, I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not have really going to entertain a comparison between them and the, these guys. More importantly, given how yeah, these guys are better. Was, I I don't think I buy into that. But anyway, that's a separate argument. But given how much hype there was coming into this, 
outliers explains part of it i understand how adelaide was an outlier i can understand why sydney was an outlier given the chances created versus the eventual dismissals uh, but the a fourth day chase being such a rare thing cannot be just dismissed as an outlier because i mean did you create enough chances i mean i can understand the sydney argument but i don't understand this i mean at the end of the day you can't be chasing such a big total on a fourth day without the bowling attack not being penetrative enough of course you could argue the the pitch was not assisting enough the it was not no no i think enough. i think mitchell stark is definitely subpar right now i mean the, the i mean compared to what he was earlier in the series he's definitely not there at all even earlier in the that, series i don't beyond the new ball spells i don't think he was particularly penetrative yeah but the point i think you know kd my question to you is that okay out you know rub of the green outliers all fine but over a over four tests you expect things you expect the better team to win right i mean that's almost a given yeah you do yeah so this this is uh, rare in many many ways it's very rare very very rare yeah so yeah thank you so much for joining guys uh, let me just end by saying that a uh, um, lot, lot of people have already said that this is uh, the the greatest series if not one of the greatest and all that is good but uh the series the you know effect of a series and the mythology around the series is built over time and uh, you know you see stuff um you when the series happens and then you feel things you imagine things people write about it and then you move on but actually the great series if you see if you see 2005 ashes if you see the 1960 61 series between australia and west indies a lot of the greatness of that series if i may say so was built over time and so you know documentaries do that books do that uh you know future articles future memories future podcasts maybe <laughs> but but it's extremely important that you know there is there are ways to document this and to archive it for people to remember for instance michael there's a australian writer michael sexton who we did a pod with who recently last year wrote a book about the tide test in 1986 mm. yeah. and you know reading that book uh, 20 uh, 530 whatever i mean 35 years uh, later it it gave me mm. uh, for me who was 5 years old when the tide test happened and had really you know of course i knew about the great the greatness of that test and everyone knows that a tide test is so rare but to read a whole book on that test was you know just enhanced my uh, experiences and thoughts of it and now like you know whenever you know i if i were i get a chance to speak to some former players who are part of it i would have so many questions for them and this is how a great event builds that's all i'm saying and so i would urge anyone who is listening to this pod uh, you know if you're a writer slash filmmaker slash whatever anyone who is in the create creation of content to look into it to save uh, all the material that you have collected in the series if you're a reporter or you know and uh, take it forward and tell and keep the stories uh, burning bright so for that thanks guys uh, this has been great great series and uh, thanks for joining thank you thank you man we'll come back for the second india have won the test match india have won the series they're going to get back for two india home lords goes one